0: We can put this in in our loose horse shit at the beginning. There's something charming about Danny has like a quirky idea to share off the top of the show. I like that a lot. Do you know what I mean? I don't think we should. I think we should just change it. I don't think we need to tell anybody anything. We'll just figure it out and then we'll land on our thing.
1: People are smart. They figure things out. Consumers of media are much more intelligent than creators of media give them credit for.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Middlebrow Culture Warrior. I'm Pete. And I'm Danny. And like we like to do here in this house, we're going to start off with a little, what's Danny been thinking about?
1: Yeah, I've got something, um, and I hate to start the show off on kind of a ominous note, but I've got three statistics that I've gathered from various sources in my reading on contemporary topics, and here they are. I'd like to know what you think about these in a survey of 20,000 Americans. 16%. Pete, 16% of Americans said that quote, "The government media and financial worlds are controlled by satan worshipping pedophiles." My god, help what six, how many? I know you 16, said it twice,
0: 16? 16%. It can't be 16%. 20,000
1: Americans were surveyed. 16% believe essentially this QAnon belief. That is bananas. But wait, 30% of Americans, Pete, 3 out of 10, believe that Donald Trump was, quote, anointed by God to become president. Yeah, that I believe. And this last one is a little more damning of Gen Z than of anyone else, but probably the scariest of the three. 20% of Americans aged 18 to 29 believe that the Holocaust is a myth. That's compared with only 8% for aged 30 to 44 and around 1% of those aged 45 to 64. That's dark, Danny.
0: That is dark for a dark, cold January. So I did the math on that. Tell me if I'm right. The United States has roughly 330 million people. So you're 16% there at the top? believe that we are being run by a government of nefarious pedophiles that's over five million people that's a lot of people five million that's bananas that's kind of frightening I I also think that it's strange that like I, I don't know about you but I as a gen Xer I was taught all about the Holocaust I saw schindler's list and I actually have been to Germany and I've been to Dachau and Uh, A bunch of my family was from Poland on my mother's side. And so there's great consternation over this. And I'll tell you, all the World War II stuff you read, there's all this, we got to document this so people believe this because it sounds crazy. They won't believe Mm -hmm. it if we don't take pictures of this, if we don't film it, if we don't write down all these records. And they took such care and it's going to fuck them
1: anyway. And that is just crazy. They knew it and they still
0: couldn't avoid it.
1: Yeah. I think this is all YouTube stuff for the most part. The 30% of Americans that think Trump was anointed by God to become president. Fine. That's an, that's a sort of evangelical right wing Christian thing, a belief that, you know, probably doesn't require YouTube to exist, but the other two probably not. It's probably always existed like that. And we just didn't realize our neighbors were that crazy. Exactly. But the other two, this government being controlled by Satan, worshiping pedophiles and the Holocaust being a myth. i I think YouTube is probably 95% responsible for those two statistics. And, you know, the funny thing is I let my kids watch YouTube all the time. I don't let them watch conspiracy theory stuff, but they watch... They get their entertainment from YouTube and almost exclusively from YouTube. That's all they want. Hey, you got to take the sour with the
0: sweet, man. If you want instantly curated, awesome, hilarious children's videos, you're also going to have to put up with Holocaust denying Nazi right wing fascist takeover of those things, too. So you can't have but you can't have one without the other.
1: There it is. So some scary statistics. We'd like to believe what M. L. K. said about the arc of history trending towards justice, but you know, in the YouTube era, that just might not be true. Should we get to the news? Let's do it. I'll start. Danny, are you afraid of flying? Not at
0: all. Have you flown a lot? Do you consider yourself a well-traveled flyer?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never hit like elite status uh, as a (laughs) frequent flyer. I've never, I've never been that that person but you're like
0: a you've you've done international travel you've done domestic travel by airplane many times right
1: i am a seasoned traveler and
0: it never worries you it
1: never worries me
0: as a seasoned traveler, do you ever think, geez, it'd be scary to be on this plane if it crashed? Boy, I hope the pilots know what they're doing. I hope that Boeing has a bunch of good people putting rivets on this thing and the design worked. I'm sure that Alaskan Airlines would have checked in on this before that
1: happening too, right? It never worries me. I am a I am a best case scenario thinker. Whenever <laughs> there's an idea or some future event that I need to think about, it my mind always goes to the absolute best case scenario. That's the
0: craziest thing I've ever heard. You and I are so
1: different. Yeah, you know, my wife is the same way. She's a sort of worst-case scenario thinker. But, you know, even she doesn't worry about airplanes. Okay. I am also a seasoned international traveler. However, I
0: did most of my international traveling when I was younger. And since then, once I, I don't know, one day I woke up and was scared and I was just terrified of flying. I hate it. I don't like it. I've worked on it. I do fly. I don't push this on anybody else. I, I, I fly with my children and my family. I just hate it. And so this story where the Boeing 737-900 Max mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. these bolts come off and it ripped this huge hole in the plane when it was in Portland and had to land, right? And then they grounded everything. And this is not the first time with this plane. This is like the fifth problem with this plane.
1: And this is a relatively new plane, really right? New. Yeah, it's highly new. So yeah. the
0: 737 is basically like the workhorse of the American fleet of planes. Like Boeing has made that plane for so many years now and so they developed a whole bunch of new models to it to be like a little bit longer longer you know higher higher efficiency for longer hauls and as they've been adding it it's been like every airline like Southwest Airline famously is nothing but 737s I think and we live up here in the Pacific Northwest so a lot of what we fly is Alaska Airlines uh, and they fly all these 737s so it's like these 737 Max 900s or whatever are like basically the top of the line for what Boeing's doing. And Boeing is now screwed. And that's what scares me. I get that somewhere, somehow some bolts get put in incorrectly. I get somewhere, somehow those things are not properly maintained or, or Boeing didn't let you know about it. And through like a freak occurrence of, I don't know, something had to happen. This thing blows up. What's amazing is that everyone survived. The plane landed just fine, you know. It's like this this is this shows the safety of modern air travel, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like then then the FAA grounded all those planes. Then Boeing started losing money to Airbus, right? Which is now touting its it's like really high level of of like quality control over Boeing. And as a native Seattleite, I've always considered Boeing to be like the gold standard, but it really sounds like it hasn't been in a long time. And I'm worried the general decay we're seeing in American standards is also happening to our planes. And that scares me.
1: Interesting. So you're worried that the kind of yeah, because we all see every day the signs of America's decay. Right, Essentially, like infrastructure
0: mol- problems or just schools. I mean, everywhere you look, you're like, ah, man, the stuff we worked really hard to build from post-war is now giving way. We're going to have to rebuild, and we're like, not really.
1: So you're thinking about literal decay. I was thinking more about our moral decay and Both. sort of slow decline into just craziness like the statistics that I brought up at the top of the show yeah it does even that matter kind of
0: that people at Boeing or care about this bolt anymore I mean you know Alaskan Airlines the CEO came out with this big sob story like hey everybody we did all the right things we took these down we did it before other people did it's like dude the thing blew up. You cannot act like this is not somehow on your watch. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to reassure customers and not say we are handing that to Boeing, who should be working on this, and we fly Boeing, and why wouldn't we? Like it's just crazy. Like I don't have any faith in Boeing. I don't have any more faith in Boeing than I have in Chevrolet or Tesla. Like it's all just garbage now,
1: printed to make money. It feels like, and that scares me. Hmm. So your your take essentially is that. Airlines and probably other large, scary things are being caught up in, Ameri- in the general decline of America's health. Yes,
0: I think it's it, it. I'm not saying it is. It worries me that it is, and that's a new thing I have to be afraid of while flying. And here's the other thought I have about this airline news like this. Kind of reminds me. I used to have this argument when I was in news about stories about smoking. So you'd have some story where they'd come out and say, actually, they've discovered there's 207 chemicals in smoking and anyone who's ever smoked will will have this much percentage chance increase of life loss or something like that. Right. So they put this kind of story happens a lot. And the question is always, should you run that story? Because people who don't smoke don't really care and people who do smoke don't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. They know it's bad for me. Who is this story for? And that's and that's what I think about these flight things. Like people like you, you don't care, I'm sure somebody's taking care of it. I mean the statistics are so obvious that flying is awesome. For someone like me, it just puts me down a deep rabbit hole of like fear. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just going to check mm-hmm. what is that bolt? Why is that bolt there? Now I know the name of it. Now I know this and that. Like I'd almost I'd almost rather us just pass by these things sometimes yeah. and just be like, okay. We don't have to show you all this.
1: Yeah, and that's why, you know, back to your argument about news, that's why you always, at least once a year, hear the stories that people want to hear and that we'll click on, which is dark chocolate reduces the risk of heart disease. Red wine. Or coffee or coffee or red wine is 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 it actually healthy for you? Yes right. or no or whatever. People read that.
0: <laughs> the answer will surprise you. <laughs> this, this thing that you're doing is either going to kill or save you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to have to find out.
1: But back on point about airlines, two two things I'd like to just say one is a a quick story about uzbekistan and airlines in uzbekistan that i heard once from kind of a friend of a friend i think it was at a buddy's wedding i heard a guy (laughs) who i met was in uzbekistan and was trying to fly out of uzbekistan and got on the plane and the plane was they (laughs) they filled all the seats first of all but then they filled all of the uh aisles full of people oh god so it was just like standing room only oh God. on this flight, oh, no, no. right? And um, it's kind of like what, like uh, when you're in a third world country and people are getting on the bus with their like chickens and goats and what have you. Sort of like that, where you're just like people packed to the gills, and you're just like, this is not how this is supposed to go, right? And so this this flight that this guy was on it was the Swedish guy, I think. This flight that the Swedish guy was on, it's it. It uh, goes down the runway for takeoff. It's cleared for takeoff or whatever. And it starts to lift off, but it can't lift off all the way because it's there's <laughs> it's too many overloaded. people. It's overloaded. Right. So they, okay. so they, so they, somehow there's enough runway that they're like, well, we can't get lift off. We need a few more people to get off. So a bunch of people got off, right? And then they try oh, again and they go again. I
0: can't tell you how much I'd be the first person off that plane. I'd be like, oh, oh my God. The Lord saved me. I will see you all later. Good luck with all that.
1: Yeah, well, you and the Uzbekis do not have that in common because they stayed Uh-oh. on this flight or the Swedes or whoever. So the flight tries to... <gasps> one of these ethnic groups has a death
0: wish. <laughs> Is it? Are you Swedish or Uzbek? Because well, we know the Swedes
1: do. We, that's that's a documented fact. <laughs> the Swedes fact. certainly do. So then it tries again to lift off and it can't get lift off for a second time. So a bunch more oh, people God. get off and then finally the third time they lift off, they fly to wherever the heck they're going. So that's could be where America is headed if and when our moral and physical and infrastructure decline takes us down to where Uzbekistan uh, currently is or was whenever the Swede tried to take that flight out of there. Second point is... I know this guy. Um, there was a thing with Boeing where they had a bunch of flights grounded. So this, what we're going through now is the second time. But the first time that happened, it was kind of like, well, this hasn't happened in a while. This is a big problem for Boeing. All of this stuff, this happened immediately after this guy I know who was like the head safety guy for Boeing. Oh god. Oh, my God. It happened right after. I would
0: never be able to stop talking to that man. If if I could get like two hours with him, I would consider it the best form of therapy in my life. Like, let me just ask directly, put into my veins the safety expert for Boeing and explain to me why I shouldn't be worried about it.
1: So, Pete, we That'd can be great.
0: We can bring this guy on the podcast. A hundred percent. This guy is. You, he will have to listen to me ask him the most boring second grade questions for my own. Selfish fears, like nobody's business.
1: So the thing about this guy, his name is Fred Stong. He's a character. Let's put it that way. Oh God, that's just what you want in a safety expert. Somebody who's a little wacky. Oh, he's more than a little wacky, but he's a great, great guy. I spent a ton of time with this guy. We used to go on hikes together all the time, and he—he um, oh he was one of their lead safety. He did. He—he uh, he was sort of like appointed by the FAA to work for Boeing. And like made sure basically when they would come to him, it would be like, we designed this plane. And he'd be like, OK, well, have you thought about this and that and this and that? You know, what, what, what if you fly this at a certain miles per hour, then the screws are coming off and the door is going to come flying off. And so he was the guy who would have been responsible for all this. He retired. And then immediately after they started having all these problems. So if you talk to this oh guy. God. Yeah. yeah. So if you talk to Fred and he's kind of a, he, you know, he's pretty far kind of right wing. He loves uh, Sheriff Arpaio. That's if that tells you anything. Oh, no. Yeah, he's a big Arpaio guy. He's a very he's like a big racist
0: or something <laughs> Isn't that like Arpaio's deal. Isn't he like Arpaio? A- sure.
1: But this guy, I wouldn't call him a racist at all. He's a nice guy. <laughs> But anyway, we'll bring him on. We'll bring him on the show and uh, you'll have the experience of a lifetime, Pete, uh, talking to this gentleman. And so that's my theory, is that it could be about America's slow decline and that kind of slowly infecting uh, to use the parlance of our times, poisoning the blood of our uh, airline industry. (laughs) Or it could just be that Fred Stong retired.
0: Yeah, sounds likely. I think there is something in uh I heard it put one time that like everybody wants to build no one wants to maintain hmm. you know we're, we're always looking to build some new thing to tear this thing down and show the world this thing but but we we tend not to spend the time and money keeping the things we do use like this is like what happens in covid right where like all the uh, the shipping lanes the supply lines like get cut off and they get messed up it's like no one no one is thinking mm-hmm. about how much unbelievable logistics and just work hours and money and machines and weather go into you getting something the next day you order from Amazon. It's it's mm-hmm. the supply line of how that works going backwards is this Byzantine, frightening, foreign policy stew that just like exists. And if anything goes wrong, the whole thing collapses. And you're like-
1: Like if a uh, like a giant cargo ship jackknives and blocks the Suez Canal, for example.
0: Or if a handful of Houthi rebels decide to keep bombing <laughs> the Red Sea. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, dude, yeah. what's the Navy- like? Although here's, here's a fun fact for you, Danny. Do you want to hear a fun US fact as we trash the United States? This is my favorite thing. Do you know the Marine Corps hymn, like from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, for sure. The shores of Tripoli- is because Thomas Jefferson, in the very first act of the United States Navy as its own thing, and with the Marines as its own thing, deployed ships to Libya to stop pirates who kept hijacking goods that were coming through the Mediterranean. Uh, And it's like, look, America exists because we sell stuff. America's like a big, giant marketplace. The army and all these things exist basically to protect that. Like like I think the United States assumes people in the United States assume that like the army makes it safe like no 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 the army makes it safe for business it makes it safe for trade it makes it safe for transit all these things whenever you hear about talking about like this is this could be disruptive like what they're talking about is business hmm. America's about business like mm-hmm. nothing else mm-hmm. and so the Houthis have picked the wrong fight in the Red Sea is what I'm you're saying right, like, you're right you're right the america will spend every dollar it has every navy seal we've already lost two just off the shore there we're already set like i don't think you understand how much america will work to keep this open (laughs)
1: like i think the hooties are, are 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 wrong they probably are they're probably strategically wrong let's put it that way so let's continue to talk about america But a different side of America that my little news story that I've got for you today, Pete, is a little something I read a profile about a gentleman whose name was Anthony Simonson. Anthony Simonson is a self-taught bowling savant. This guy, Anthony Simonson, is currently dominating, utterly dominating the pba tour he's like 25 years old the professional bowling association tour he's an exceptionally good bowler he's just crushing everyone so sort of. does he look like a regular
0: bowler if he's self-taught
1: Is oh, like bowling
0: yeah. just like a natural thing or does he have like his own weird thing
1: well we'll get to that he but he looks like a regular blue-collar dude he's just some dude that's gonna go bowl yeah exactly exactly yeah. So this guy, basically, he had kind of a rough home life. He's a, you know, white guy with a beard, but he had kind of a rough home life when he was younger, when he was like six years old. I don't want to see even like, I don't remember all the specifics, but like three or four or five, six years old, little kid. Anyway, his home life was rough, but he, ha- he liked to ball. And so his family would kind of drop him off at the bowling alley, and all he would do was bowl, 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 bowl bowl, all day long. And eventually, he started getting real good. And he was a he's a two handed bowler, so he bowls with two hands, which I've never seen that even in like amateur. See, that's what I'm saying. That's fucking crazy. Who bowls? He like does it like a granny shot. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Like he looks like a kid pretending like getting ready to bowl. Like he puts it between his legs like a granny shot and bowls it.
1: No, not like that. No, no, no. I think he takes he just holds it with two hands and chucks it. Like sidearm okay. or, or whatever.
0: Weird. Yeah. Okay. He, like
1: his hands are to the side and he chucks the ball, but he gets all kinds of crazy spin on the ball and he does all these moves and stuff. So, anyway, he's this guy is spending like 12 to like 15 hours a day at the bowling alley as like a a kid because it it kind of becomes his second home where he only spends his time at the bowling alley because his mom's a drug addict or whatever. I don't remember the specifics of his home life, but it was real rough. So he's in there and he's chucking the ball down the lane. And eventually he starts like kind of, you know, hustling guys and challenging like older and better players and being like, love it. Yeah, and so he just gets he's better a real and better. Rogue type, yeah, <laughs> he's and out he's, there
0: doing his thing.
1: Yeah, and he just he, through the course of his childhood, he plays, he just bowls and bowls and bowls until eventually he's this really like ridiculously good bowler. Sweet. And um, he's also like obsessed with equipment and like the quality of bowling lanes and bowling balls and you know all this stuff about bowling that if you think about it if you're a really good bowler that stuff's gonna matter a lot because i went to the bowling alley the other day for a birthday party i picked out a ball and it looked like it had been shot out of a cannon like there were so many scuffs and marks and stuff in this in this uh ball and the lane i mean the lanes we think of them as like this you know glassy ice like perfectly smooth thing but i'm sure there's scuffs and marks and stuff all over the lanes that make them for the connoisseur of bowling would make any given lane like basically garbage to bowl on right so anyway he's got this obsession with equipment and with the quality of the you know the hand dryers and the the balls and the lanes and like every aspect of of the bowling arena or the bowling alley he's like obsessed with and he's a total hothead like he loses his mind he like freaks (laughs) he freaks out like a pete rose type out there just like bowling like pete rose just
0: like head first like just throwing the ball, yelling at managers, making sure that the lanes are good. He's
1: like, he's like McEnroe. He just loses his mind (sighs) when things go wrong, but he's, At age 25, he's – I think he's – and I don't have all the stats and stuff in front of me, but he's won, like, the last five – I got to check this out. Like, the last five PBA titles. Like, he's just destroying professional bowling. Oh, that's awesome. And he's got all these weird throws and all these different ways that, like, nobody's ever seen and does all this crazy stuff. It's just crushing everybody. And um, I don't have much of a take on this other than that I would love to watch this guy bowl. I would watch – I would pay probably like, I don't know, 20 bucks for like a season pass to the, you know, PBA yearly subscription. Like, I you know, I bought MLS season pass this year. I would pay that for bowling. Do they have um, that
0: for the PBA? I doubt it.
1: I doubt it. They're just playing like in like regular on ESPN bowling. ESPN or whatever. Yeah, it's it's super low-fi. But the PBA knows that they've got this product, and I think <laughs>
0: they've got a dude. They've got like a Happy Gilmore of bowling over here. Like okay, it is. Guys. That's what it is. Except except it's not because because Happy Gilmore is the outsider. This guy's perfectly inside of bowling. Like the Happy Gilmore of bowling would be some sort of prepped out weirdo. <laughs>
1: that, that's like analogy is iconoclastic not, no the analogy is not perfect but it, it's also very good the analogy it's more like bowling has its tiger woods. That's what it is. Right? Yeah.
0: Somebody who is going to revive the sport, just be an absolute electrifying person to watch who does stuff that you didn't think was possible with it and takes a real big hand into looking at the courses. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He's the Tiger Woods of bowling. That's awesome. He really and is. And at 25, he's got room to become the everything of Tiger Woods. He can just throw his whole life away right
1: now. So what do you think? 530 tonight if there's a PBA Tour event? Uh, 100%. I would watch it.
0: I would absolutely watch some bowling with it if he's in it.
1: What's his name again? Anthony Simonson.
0: Anthony Simonson. Okay, but see, Anthony Simonson, here's my hot take on it. Same thing as my Boeing problem. Anthony Simonson is angry, and your cannonball fodder ball is the same reason, man. Standards are slipping in this country. (laughs) We're just letting it go by. We don't bowl as much, so we don't care as much. And the thing about bowling is, just for all you non-bowlers out there, because I can think of nothing more middle-brow than what bowling should be very middle-brow. It should be a place where everybody comes together. It should be. a. have gone bowling recently. And the big problem is, is they over oil the lanes. So they put this coat of oil down and the ball won't grip and it's different everywhere. Like there, there needs to be standards of the field. You're absolutely right to make bowling worthwhile. So good for him. I support him in his fight against the crumbling American ideals. Indeed. All right. What's their number three? I'm here to bring uh, news of the sad practical death of UFOs and cryptids and to reaffirm the Fermi paradox. Explain. Okay. So UFOs are having a bit of a heyday right now. There's been some congressional uh, hearings and a lot of it has been around this idea that, hey, it's not that they're aliens, it's that we might not know what it is either and maybe it's China, maybe it's Russia, maybe it's Iran, maybe it's our own stuff that we're hiding from each other. But what we do know is there's stuff in space that we don't know what it is. And we should be open with that, open about that to the American public, which I wholeheartedly agree. I'm fascinated to hear anything about UFOs. But the minute we put a high quality HD camera in everybody's hand, (laughs) the cryptid market died. You just can't get the 16 millimeter or eight millimeter fuzzy picture of Bigfoot and, you know, by somebody putting like a big blanket on or a gorilla suit, you know, it just like, it just kills it. And, and here's, here's how I know. Here's the exception that proves the rule. Do you remember the Chinese spy balloon?
1: Yeah. No, you mean, you're that talking about it
0: across America. It's, you're not talking about balloon boy, not balloon boy. After that last year, that Chinese spy balloon that floated across the United States. (laughs) There were like people shooting at it, even though it was like, whatever, like 40,000 feet in the air or something like that, or 70,000 feet in the air. There was high quality video from telescopes. If you had a realistic, not expected floating object, there would be exactly like your Chinese spy balloon or exactly like Balloon Boy, there would be 6,000 news people, all of them with cameras trained on it. So you just it just closes the door in a rational way. I mean, in a, in a, very, in a very practical way. Like, dude, there's just, you can't even you can't even fake a cool photo anymore, man. No. And I like cryptids. I'm here saying I wish that stuff existed. I don't believe them. Obviously, I don't. I'm a totally rational human being. But I love the idea of somebody saying, an old prospector gave me a map. Uh-huh. And up there, I took a half picture of it. Like, dude, tell me that story. It's like a ghost. I want to hear every word of it. Oh, you got a picture of it? Or somebody took a picture. There's a plaster cast of it? You know, like now it's like, eh, nah, it's all gone. Yeah. All the cool, dark corners of the earth have been magic erased by our
1: phones, news, mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And now anytime an NFL player commits battery in a public place, it's on camera, right? And so if you can get all of those incidents on camera, you're certainly, certainly getting anything <laughs> yeah, where like a large, woolly, semi-mammal humanoid is like running a mock in a cattle field. That's absolutely going to get caught on camera. That's going on tape, man. That is yeah. gonna
0: get that is gonna get recorded and shared.
1: That's gonna be on Instagram. It's gonna so be there isn't, up. and this is what I say. Fermi
0: had this paradox, right? And or he didn't have this paradox. He had This question, which has been called Fermi's paradox, and it's like, okay, obviously, I can believe that there are there's other life in this universe. I mean, the math makes sense. I mean, we're going to say it's infinite. I mean, how many, whatever they call it, kinds of planets that are in, you know, how far from, uh, like obviously there's just millions and millions and billions of chances for there to be life somewhere else, right? Uh-huh. It'd, be, it'd be hubristic and ridiculous to think we're it. Yeah. But where is everybody then? <laughs> if the universe is so full of all this stuff and we're so positive of it, what's the deal? And I, I posit there's no way to cover it up. Y- you can't cover up anything. All you can do is believe in a cover-up now. There is no covering up, you know? And so we we would have film of it. There would be hearings about it. Somebody somewhere would do this. I mean, there's there's almost nothing that can be kept secret. And the things that are kept secret are usually, like, fairly well-known. And just the mechanics within the inside of it were kind of unscrutable. Most of the way corporations take money from you is, like, figured out that way. Mm -hmm. But it's just impossible to keep this quiet. So where is everybody? And it's kind of sad.
1: Mm Mm-hmm know for sure. Um, a whole giant piece of wonder has been wiped out. It has been something that I read. and let me just raise a raise a glass briefly to um, the demise of Grantland. You remember Grantland? sports something semi sports it was like bill simmons um, ode to long form journalism that's right
0: like an espn uh,
1: personality yeah so he got this thing but but it was all about i mean it was sports was kind of their bread and butter but they did all kinds of things so the idea was just long form journalism and i read something on grantland once which some disruptive millennial thought leader had a really interesting format where he would do like a bracket for the year And he would, like, put everything that happened in that year, every possible cultural phenomenon into a bracket. And he'd just run them through until he got a winner for the year. And the winner for the year that I read was footage. Footage? Yeah. And it was the year that Ray Rice decked his girlfriend in an elevator or whatever. Like, all these things happened where, like, everything now is captured in footage like so like january 6th which i you know our news environment is still so saturated with january 6th stuff there's footage of january 6th it's all clear what happened like there's footage of everything that happens right yeah it's not for everyone's done a really good job documenting this yeah and so footage is just this like phenomenon and footage as a phenomenon is responsible for your sadness here with the um death of cryptids and ufos because footage will tell the story
0: yep if you're gonna believe in things like photo evidence and stuff which i feel like you should well you can't not uh, yeah i mean come on there are flat earthers uh yeah what what do you do there that we've seen it from space mm-hmm. buzz aldrin has to punch people in the face who deny that he went to the moon still i mean I, and i get that there's always going to be this but like you said what was the, the people that believe that we're being run by pedophiles is 16% that's 5 million people
1: you can bet there's a very significant overlap between those people and the flat earthers these, are people, yeah, for these, sure. are, these and, are people who are taught to not believe everything you're told.
0: But I think like maybe it's always been this way and we just didn't have the data.
1: Or the footage.
0: Yeah. I mean, people believe like in ghosts and stuff. They're still making those bullshit haunting movies after that couple of ghost hunters. They, they still like are like, this is based on a true story. Like, oh my God, you're, you're calling it and you're putting your money. Like you believe in ghosts? Yeah. we're talking about ghosts like as as a real phenomenon that needs to be because it seems like what you need are just like serious people. I think that in any industry, like whether it's a if you go to the doctor or if you go like have a pilot or some congressperson or something like amongst these groups there just tends to be like some some very serious people thank God that just sit down and, and and try to figure this stuff out and try to get to the bottom of it and like I need those voices to be louder than they are the serious people need to be louder than they are right now I know they're out there I know they're doing good work cancer rates are going down dramatically like a whole bunch of things the world is, is, is demonstrably better than it ever has been than it ever was but I just want the, the very
1: serious people to have like a larger share of the attention economy. I think all the people who self identify as serious thinkers I think they're all writing for the Atlantic. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> They've cornered the market by paying writers. <laughs> it's like a live animal trap for serious thinkers. I got a couple more uh, topics to cover along the lines of what we've been talking about. The slow de- degradation of our society. That's kind of our theme today.
0: It Each is. Each week we treat a the theme. This week's theme. Society's so,
1: falling apart. Yeah. So the first one is, this is interesting, and this is a theory, and we don't want to go too deep into politics on this podcast. However, this is a theory about why Joe Biden is as unpopular as he is, because obviously- demonstrably the economy is booming yeah seems good it is going nuts despite everyone's expectations of a downfall and a recession etc it is absolutely booming and inflation whatever fuck it i'm not
0: really a big enough participator in the economy to understand except i read that it is it is like i i don't i don't have a portfolio or like i don't know but it seems to me like things are going good right employment's down
1: Unemployment is way down, which should drive, down, which should drive inflation, inflation way up. But inflation is starting to cool, and the stock market is through the roof. Um, every all economic indicators are just going bananas. GDP growth is like two point five to two point nine percent on the year, which in a year that people everyone anticipated it would be recession year. Uh, but yeah. anyway, not to get Let's hung up ahead. on the details. But why is Joe Biden so unpopular? Among all this stuff. Well, first theory is he's old, right? And when you hear this is sort of a when you hear um, hooves, it's probably going to be horses and not zebras, right? So that's probably the correct answer is that he's old. And I also think
0: with him being old. Is not just he's he's old, but you are constantly reminded that he's old because Joe Biden has been in public life for a long time. You yeah, rem- you'll see a photo of President Obama and it'll be Vice President Biden, and you'll see him today and you'll be like, "God dang it, he's old." You know, it's like how gas prices have actually gone up slower than most other prices over the years, but because it's a giant big billboard on the side that says per gallon three forty two or four forty eight or whatever it is. You like you're just you're hyper aware of it. So I think not only is Biden old, but he's old in a way that we're hyper aware of. He's on every I mean he's constantly being watched for it. You can see him all over the place and we have a baseline from when he wasn't. Right. But Trump's old too, right? God made him. No one cares. That's true. The people that love Trump think he was like God's deliverance upon us. These are not people you can.
1: And that's not a 30% of Republicans. That's 30% of Americans believe he was anointed by God to be president. So let's leave Trump out of it for the time being. I have a, a theory about why Joe Biden is so unpopular. And it has to do with an article I read in, of all places, The Atlantic. Yeah, yeah about how there's this collapsing distinction between news and entertainment, and our entertainment is becoming more and more news-like. There's all these semi true stories like the crown and other series and limited series about events that happen in daily life that are like sort of loosely based on what's true but they take some creative license you know and so we get these stories that everyone kind of takes as true that are like news or like the um elizabeth holmes the theranos stuff she's got multiple limited series based on her that are like okay this is news but it's also entertainment right and so our entertainment is becoming like news at the same time our news is becoming much more like entertainment and we can't blame the right and crossfire for this exclusively we also have to lay the blame at the feet of people like like keith Olbermann, who Mm -hmm. turned news into entertainment and who create news as a way john stewart john stewart um, what's his name oliver john oliver is it John? Colbert. All Colbert, those guys. John Oliver. All yeah. these guys. Satirists who tell news. That's right. So our entertainment becomes news and our news becomes entertainment. And there's this sort of convergence, right? And sitting at the center of news as entertainment is Donald J. Trump. And way, way, way on the outside of this paradigm is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a president who needs his presidency to be narrated by Walter Cronkite and there or <laughs> David Muir or one of these guys but there isn't but there are none. There's David Muir, and that's it. Like, no one else is presenting, like, objective yeah. news these days. It just doesn't exist. And so he's not an entertainment as news and news as an entertainment president. And so he's getting his ass kicked because he's not able to provide these, like, fun sort of soundbite, like, goof off, like, whatever, capture the, the news cycle, and then, like, move on to the next news cycle. He can't provide Which this. Which is funny because – Obama
0: did like Obama was one of those you'd see Obama and it'd be like he's still putting out like hey people are really interested in what books I'm reading maybe you'd like to be here's my annual book or here's my annual songs that I listen to and then then he's having parties with Bruce Springsteen and a, a story a series of stories like Obama just totally bought into fancy entertainer people is like how you build a legacy and he loves them and he does nothing but hang out with them and he was good on the news and that if you look back at Obama most of the stuff you will remember are those kinds of moments he captured that
1: Biden did not Biden's like Harry Truman out there. You also remember like <laughs> speaking of news as entertainment remember when Obama caught that fly between his fingertips oh my god could you not stop seeing that for like a
0: year of him in that interview just acted like obi-Wan
1: it was ridiculous. I mean-
0: I get it. I get why the right wing was just like, could you stop with this? Could you stop saying he's the coolest thing ever? It's like, like I, th- I think liberals were doing to Obama what what hard evangelicals are doing to Trump at that time. It was like
1: he catches a fly. He's anointed by God. to <laughs> yeah, exactly, these exactly, like, exactly. And, it's and, like, and when oh, is he God. gonna when is he gonna return to public life in earnest? When is he gonna run for a you know a Senate seat or something and just get back yeah. in the ring, man? We need you, dude. A the left. Seat.
0: You know you know something of American greatness, uh, John Quincy Adams, the nepo baby of president number two, John Adams, mm-hmm. uh, was president. And uh, he's a shockingly effective dude. Like the Monroe Doctrine, Doctrine was basically written by him because he was the Sec- deputy secretary of state at the time. Anyway, he becomes president. He loses just like his dad. He's a one-termer. He goes back home to Massachusetts and runs for Congress and wins it. And has a seat back where his like his big issue was abolitionment, like abolitionists, like trying to end slavery. Right. Like a good old fashioned Yankee. Super proud of him. And he said that like his election to Congress was the most satisfying because he said to be like elected by the people in your community to be given like that sort of trust means more than any sort of national office. And He like took it there. I'm like. Yeah, man. Why doesn't... I mean, I think maybe if Obama decided to run for Congress, I mean, maybe from a practical point of, like, security and stuff, you just can't do it anymore. No, dude. But, like, dude, that's just cool shit, man. Yeah,
1: go serve. Do it. Stop having parties on Martha's Vineyard. Come in here and get in the fight. That's it. If I'm Obama, I'm moving to, like, Kentucky or, like, West Virginia, and I'm going to win the fucking... He's from Illinois. There are parts of Illinois he could really represent. (laughs) Oh, sure. But he could also move to some sort of purple state and yeah sure
0: i'm gonna move to ohio there you and go just,
1: and just win in ohio Just
0: win and then just
1: become like speaker of the house and just roll for a while or or majority leader of the senate and just just take flip take a purple seat and make it blue and I mean, white yeah i wonder why not i don't think that's ever been done in the modern era i mean we say why not but neither you nor i both of whom were quite good in our professions in our day are working right now. <laughs> right. And that's probably right. the answer. Right. That's probably that's the probably reason. right on.
0: I don't know. Be I don't know if being a congressperson is work though. I think the work is just in getting elected. I think if you're Obama or somebody like that that can guarantee a seat, I think it's a pretty chill job. Probably so. Probably you so know, meetings, having people vote for you. You have to I guess you have to fly back and occasionally talk to your constituents, but none of my elected representatives have ever hosted a forum that I'm aware of. We have Senator Patty Murray. She just comes back and
1: picks up a check from Microsoft and salutes and then walks back. She doesn't have to – what's she going to do? Buys a new pair of tennis shoes and like she's good for the next, you know, six years. You were in news at the time of Balloon Boy. I was. I was covering it. Okay. Was that for you a top 10 in your career of news stories? No. No? No. Balloon Boy was even no, even was afterwards crazy. when like it came out that he was lying and everything.
0: I mean, afterwards, what do you say? It's just like that's just a weird, sad story. I don't know what to do. I guess some people will light their hair on fire for attention. I don't know. <laughs> like there's nothing more to say about
1: so it. So Balloon Boy wasn't
0: top right. 10 for like you. just like here here are these people, they pulled a hoax on everybody. It probably won't happen again. <laughs> right? Like, you know? You didn't get to cover the Titan Submersible. No, that's a fascinating story. Oh my God, like our Boeing story. Just just trying to imagine being in that thing. What did they experience? What was it like down at the bottom of the
1: ocean? And just, oh my God. But you did get uh. to cover Manti Teo.
0: Another sad story of catfishing by his buddy who was maybe in love with him. I don't, I don't know exactly how that even ended up. It was so, it got to be so sorted and it felt like just so, you know, hard to watch this guy's like, he was fooled but he like the whole thing was just brutal right like just everybody came out of that looking like just mean and desperate and horny
1: it was just really weird let me ask you real quick since we're here do it what are your top three newsman news stories that you got to cover like what are the three that just really had that blend of just captivating the american public but also probably being kind of i mean we're not talking about like you know the war and uh, wherever we're talking about like like, a school shooting or something or something like that we're talking about like some funny little story like the Chilean soccer team that got stuck in a cave or like somebody who was stuck in a mine you know something like that where that what are some stories that really stand out to you as like well the thing is those stories are probably like because i was working in local news right so
0: all those stories are going to be like kind of the stories around here that got drawn out you know it's like things like like the sonics leaving just a story of absolute heroes and villains that continues to this day that that story just drove me nuts but that's not fun what you're talking about is more like a kicker story like what weird thing yeah my favorite is that they found these there's this place in Seattle called Green Lake it's almost like a central park for Seattle. It's this place, there's this lake, it's got this running trail around it. The running trail's like almost exactly three miles. It's where everybody goes to go for a run. And it is in a charming little neighborhood and it's it's got all this stuff. So kids swim in the lake, there's like this whole derby, all this stuff that goes on. And somebody had found these like (laughs) spikes, these metal spikes that were sticking up like kinda near where like the kids would go wading. And there was like, there was freak out cops descended on the place you you know there were stakes in the ground and police line do not cross there was all of this uh, news went out and got all of this great sound from people saying things like I was talking to my son and he said what's going on and I I said well they're just worried if it's safe and he said mommy does somebody want to hurt the children you know it was like (laughs) this kind of like it was so verrat there was like a helicopter flying above Greed Lake people were looking through security camera footage they were pulling regulars who walked out of Green Lake out and asking them questions about what they saw and when, right up until they realized it was a City of Seattle Department of Ecology test that they had done and like the oh plastic pieces had dissolved, and all that was left were like the little stands that were metal, and they just forgot about them and hadn't come to get it. Like it's just like the dramatic, like, oh my God, Seattle is being perpetrated by a Batman style villain who <laughs> in the dark of night planted rusty spikes <laughs> in the hope of toddlers falling and dying like it's just and you were presumably you
1: were covering it as such at the
0: beginning I mean, right i don't remember probably i'm probably contributed to that like what i don't know what that is but generally like in news there's just a really big group think somebody kind of comes up with the theory and then everybody starts quoting it and then they start quoting each other and it just kind of creates that way and this was true before the internet too i mean news has always done this like reports say like i don't want to tell you all the backstory of all the innuendo and rumor that went into this and the six court cases that said this so i'm just going to say reports say you know and then, mm-hmm. and then out. it's just it's the ultimate in just like denying credibility I'm certain I've been a part of it many 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 times but that one just cracked me up it's the city's own shit it, you know like
1: some parks department person was like I should just take a look at this map <laughs>
0: you know, and then like yeah, there it is.
1: See if there's a test station there to test the uh sewage that the city of Seattle ejects into all of its Directly water bodies into on a regular basis. But I thought you were gonna go with the the time where they found a skate park on that island in Green oh, Lake.
0: Oh god, that was good too. And they got all mad and had to destroy it and they charged them with crimes because it's a wetland.
1: Which like, is is obviously true from an ecological standpoint, but come dude, on, dude! It's guys. in the
0: middle of a it's in the middle of a city, like
1: like yeah. It's like okay, so two hundred yards
0: it's, from that protected wetland is nothing but steel Amazon homes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's this tiny little it's this tiny little island in the middle of green, like not even it's it's hard to even say from if you're standing on the shore, hard to even tell if it's an actual island. Yeah, and some it's, kids, mar- it's not even an island all the time.
0: Yeah. Right, like sometimes so, so, the water level goes up and it disappears.
1: <laughs> so some enterprising and frankly awesome like teens, <laughs>
0: frankly awesome teens,
1: got out there somehow on boats or whatever and they built a skate park in this little island, which is pretty cool. But then they, you know, they threw the book at them and they they brought the hammer down and these kids had to answer for their crimes
0: yep and uh, a lot of very granola seattle was really angry at these kids
1: yeah any other national or local stories that jump off the page at you was like oh i remember covering that oh my god i spent this is
0: this is the story that i tell people though but i spent an entire summer i gotta go back and remember what the year is but it's like oh four maybe so 20 years ago i spent an entire summer following around the green river killer so gary ridgeway is the green river killer famously <clears throat> killed uh you know something like i don't know whatever it was 30 40 you know mostly prostitutes in the 70s and 80s in the puget sound area and then he stopped which Don't even get me started on how much I just want to rant at how the FBI and profilers are the dumbest thing ever invented. Every TV show based on them is the dumbest thing ever invented. And I would like to just do a series yelling at the FBI and FBI profilers, if at all possible.
1: With one exception, right? That genius scene in the wire where, uh, uh, McNulty invents the, the serial killer. And then the FBI profiler, like (laughs) he sits down with McNulty and he's like, okay, we've got a, we think we know who, uh, we got a good sense of who the serial killer is. And he lifts off this guy. He's like, got a problem with authority and like all these qualities that McNulty has. And McNulty's just like, Oh shit. <laughs> he got that one right. <laughs> Looking at him <laughs>
0: Yeah, well so what had happened was is Gary Ridgway had been like killing women in this area kind of by SeaTac Tech Airport really at Green River, which is kind of a heavily industrialized river that flows through part that part. But uh, then it stopped, and so everybody assumed he died or went to jail because serial killers never stopped doing this. They go to the end, but it turned out he, like, had gotten married and whatever, and then it was, like, this whole thing of, like, he was this genius, just always one step ahead eluding police, and it's like, no, he was, like, borderline mentally disabled. He, he had a very, very low IQ. He was a truck painter, and it just, it turned out that if you, like, kill prostitutes and dump them in the woods, it's very hard to figure out who does it, you know, before <laughs> DNA <laughs> testing existed. And that was his great genius. Well, what they did after they caught him, <clears throat> and then they caught him, and then like five years, whatever, go by, and then they—he uh, was trying to avoid the death penalty, and was trying to tell people, the cops, where there were bodies that they never found which is kind of a creepy, it sounds like a true crime podcast. But what happened was, is he was around this van with the cops, and the cops would send out this unit that looks for human remains. And uh, King County, because of the Green River Killer, and because we have all these mountains and stuff, is really, really good at finding bodies, right? And so this whole unit would go out to where these places were and start doing work, and start scouring through the underbrush, like an archaeological thing. And so what happened was, that entire summer, these vans would be spotted somewhere in... Issaquah or up by Tiger Mountain or down by the green like all these different kind of suburban places around Seattle and we'd get scrambled and I'd have to get in a news car and go drive out there and be like we're standing here at this this is the possible site of this so it was like just a so you were grisly,
1: like a, you're like a cub reporter at this point yeah, yeah
0: yeah I was I was mostly weekends and that's when it happened so I uh-huh. was always assigned on weekends and so every weekend throughout this entire hot summer I just sat outside wooded areas with other reporters where <laughs> their possible bodies were being exhumed. It was weird. <laughs> it really sticks in my mind as something you remember. Those are two good ones. Anything else? Nope. That's it. News is boring. Everybody knows it. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to the Middlebrow Multiverse. If you'd like to join our army of subscribers, you can do so at patreon.com slash middlebrow multiverse. There's a free option or a paid option that gives you access to bonus episodes that you might enjoy.